live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon and a happy Tuesday, April the 5th, the year 2022. Rainy date, so if you're out and about, uh, be careful, but it's great to w- be with you. We're here Monday through Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. My main man, uh, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game, which is on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 the game. Um, great to be with you. We have a national champion, the, the Kansas Jayhawks, after North Carolina got off to a 15, as much as a 16-point lead. It was 15 at the half. And then Kansas made the proper adjustments, got the pace of the game going their way, um, and uh, started knocking down shots. That's It's not that difficult of a game. It's not that complicated of a game, rather. Um, They just made shots, and they ended up winning it, and it was ironic. There is the program with five level one infractions that have been presented to them by the NCAA, and there is Mark Emmert on the stage getting ready to um, talking about this program of Kansas with Bill Self. Um, And he called them the Kansas City Jayhawks. It's just another blunder. Uh, Gosh, Mark Emmert was so good when he was at LSU, and he's become such a buffoon now in hitting the NCAA. Anyway, he handed it off to my buddy Tom Burnett, who is in charge of the uh, uh, selection committee, the longtime commissioner of the Southland Conference. Uh, And Tom presented the trophy to Bill Self. Um, when it was the women's championship, Mark Emmert handed the trophy to Dawn Staley of South Carolina. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So college basketball is over and done. The, the Jayhawks cut down the nets. The big winner of it all was the city of New Orleans. What a show they put on. And that uh, final four needs to come back to there more often than not. Uh, It's just they did a phenomenal job. So hats off to uh, everyone involved uh, with that. Pelicans try to wrap up a play-in spot tonight, taking on the Sacramento Kings in Sacktown. A win or a Lakers loss uh, does that. Meanwhile, Zion's stepdad um, was on a podcast uh, today. Um, Lee Anderson said he expects Zion to return to play this season, but understands that it's a decision that is to be made with the New Orleans Pelicans medical staff with a look not only to the present, but also to the future. Um, quote, I expect him to play. 
If you were to ask Zion, I'm sure he would probably say the same thing. But with just a couple of games left, with the magnitude of what's going on in New Orleans and the opportunity to qualify for the play-in game and possibly get into a seven-game series, that would be off the charts in the city of New Orleans. That would be a plus in New Orleans. That would be a plus for Zion with the way things are right now. So do I expect him to play? Certainly I do. That's on me, though. That's purely me. I don't think there's anything else that would hinder him from doing that right now. Williamson has been cleared by the Pels to do one-on-one work as he continues his rehab. He is with the team on its current four-game road trip and is continuing to do work with the Pelicans training staff. So we shall see. His stepfather, Lee Anderson, said he's feeling great. Speaking for the Pelican staff and not saying any names, they mentioned to me that they are just one player away from being where we need to be at. That was enough for me to know that they were putting some stock in Zion getting healthy and being ready for the long haul. So take it with a grain of salt, and we'll see what happens along those lines. Major League Baseball, the regular season gets underway on Thursday. And right after, as as Thursday comes along, so does the Masters at Augusta. And as of right now, uh, Tiger says, as of now, he plans to play in the Masters. He sounded thankful to be back and ready to play in the 2022 Masters. And wouldn't that just be something? Wow. Our guest list today, Adam Spencer, Saturday Down South, will wrap up the college basketball season. Glenn West of uh, LSU Country will share his thoughts on LSU and spring football and where things are as we speak right here, right now. John Peterson was a, in our number two, John Peterson, a former LSU golfer, PGA golfer, trying to get back on the tour, has played with and against Tiger Woods. He'll share his thoughts on Augusta, the Masters, and the long and winding road back to the first tee at the Masters for Tiger Woods. And then Bob Rose will join us as well because the Saints um, – pulled off a uh, a trade as we as we mentioned yesterday as you heard in the 2 minute drill today uh the Saints and the Philadelphia Eagles um so the Eagles sent the number 16 overall pick number 19 overall pick and then a 6th round pick to the Saints for the number 18 overall pick a 3rd round pick a 7th round pick a 2023 first round pick and a 2nd round pick in 2024 couple of obvious things stand out immediately from this deal. One, man, the Saints wanted multiple picks in the first round this year, right? Um, meanwhile, the Eagles were fine with giving up one of their three first-round picks and looking forward to 2023 and 24. So what does this mean for quarterbacks like Jameis Winston and Jalen Hurts? Uh, time will tell. T- time will tell. So the Saints clearly wanted multiple selections in the middle of the first round. And it made sure that the deal happened. There are a couple of narratives surrounding this Saints trade. Could they take a quarterback? Could they take a, a Kenny Pickett or a, uh, a Matt Corral from Ole Miss? Or how about um, the quarterback from Cincinnati? I don't know. 
They did sign Winston to a multi-year deal this offseason, so they could choose to build around him instead. We all know two biggest needs, wide receiver, left tackle. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, Having to give up a third-round pick and then future first and second-rounders hurts. But it appears the Saints have a plan. So we shall see. We'll discuss that and more with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Just some of the headlines of the day. Uh, We are brought to you each and every Tuesday by ShopRite. Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. You know, there are 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana with a simple, simple mission statement. ShopRite Tobacco Plus loves seeing customers leave their stores with a smile on their face. So whether your needs are fresh food, fuel, top shelf wines or spirits, or just a quick pit stop, ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets. The staff looks forward to serving you. They're spacious stores that are filled with Louisiana products. They're modern restrooms that are clean and comfortable and delicious food that's always fresh, that is always fast. And With the way things are now, there are awesome deals when you become a Buku Rewards Club member. Go to ShopRiteLA.com, S-H-O-P-R-I-T-E-L-A.com. And with the Buku Rewards, well, there's new things. Yes, a fuel rewards program where you can earn a significant fuel fill-up discount just through your store purchases. And in addition, if you join the new Gator Gas program, you can earn additional cents off per gallon on every fuel purchase. These are new additions. Um, Keep an eye out. Go to ShopRiteLA.com. You've got everything to save and nothing to lose when you become a Buku Rewards member at ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, man, I'm just telling you, you can't shop right at all. Busy day planned for you. So let's get uh, our first time out under the way. We'll talk uh, NCAA basketball. We'll wrap up the final four. We'll talk LSU football. We'll talk Masters, Tiger Woods. We'll talk the Saints and the NFL. I think we got you covered from A to Z here on the Jordy Hulkberg Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Time out. We'll be right back. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. We're getting the word out all across South Louisiana. Let Eon, E-O-N, do what the gym may never do. Get rid of stubborn fat permanently. The first premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that specializes in permanent fat reduction treatments. 
It's right there at Rue Promenade in River Ranch. The phone number, 337-278-7641. 278-7641. Get rid of that stuff that you just can't get rid of. Let them do it for you. You won't feel a thing, and it works. Eon, E-O-N of Lafayette. Soon to be Eon of Baton Rouge as well. Eon, um, it's, it's the best. All right. It was a great first half for the North Carolina Tar Heels last night in Caesars Superdome, but it was an even better second half by the Kansas Jayhawks and Kansas reigns supreme as the king of the college basketball world. To wrap up the whole thing in a nutshell is our good friend from Saturday down south, the Mizzou grad himself, Adam Spencer. Adam, good day, my friend. How are you the day after the championships? Well, it's always a, a tough day when uh, Kansas cuts down the nets and you have to watch that him. and uh, you yeah. have to watch a Missouri native be awarded the NCAA tournament's best player in Ochai Baji and, uh, yeah. you know, to see the tournament that a St. Louis native, uh, Caleb Love, had for UNC, even though he struggled on Monday night, he was incredible right. throughout the tournament. It's uh, not a great day to be a, a, Mizzou, a Mizzou guy. <laughs> I thought the big winner was the city of New Orleans and those that put that uh, that show on. It was it was spectacular. The crowds were great. Not a single complaint have I heard from anyone about the entirety of the final four. Well, uh, Armando Baycott might disagree with you on that <laughs> one. It looked like, uh, you know, there's been some debate online about whether the floor is supposed to collapse that way when it, uh, you know, his ankle rolled there inside the final minute and the floor gave way underneath him. Um, you know, there's been some debate back and forth on that in uh, the in the merits of uh, putting these uh, big basketball courts and football stadiums. But uh, yeah, right. other than that, it was uh, it was a well run event, and uh, you know, I liked some of the New Orleans flair that was that was uh, on display. Uh, as long as they get 70,000 people in the seats, they're never going back to basketball arenas. That's, <laughs> exactly. never, going, that's never going to happen. So um, uh, it was so ironic with Mark Emmert, the head of the NCAA, on the same stage with Bill Self and the Kansas Jayhawks with all those uh, notice of allegations and the, the level one infractions that the NCAA apparently has found on them. It was... Uh, it was uh, it was a weird look, to to put it nicely. I think. Yeah, um, it's just weird that uh, five level one infractions are what led to Will Wade being fired a couple months or you know a couple yeah. weeks ago, and uh, now all of a sudden here's Mark Emmert handing the national championship trophy to a guy with five level one violations. Uh, on his accusation sheet. Um, so yeah, that was, a, that was a bit of a, it just seems like Will Wade got a really bad rap and, uh, you know, people all across the country, you know, were making fun of his, you know, strong offers to commit and stuff and just really reveled in the downfall of Will Wade. But here we are celebrating Bill Self for the same thing. I, I don't get it. Um, you know, I, as a Mizzou guy, I say just shut the entire Kansas program down forever, but, uh, you know, it doesn't even seem you like they're going to do. You had to chuckle when, when Mark Emmert called him the Kansas City Jayhawks. You had to chuckle uh, on that one. 
that was that was hilarious. Uh, you know, he has one job to do, and that's to say the to say the team's name right, and just completely botches it. <laughs> what was the uh, what was the turning point to you? Because Carolina was was great in the first half. That spurt that they had, and the shots they were making, and the defense was was really good, and they were rebounding the basketball like crazy, and then that all disappeared. Yeah, I think really what happened. I mean, I, I don't think you know, North Carolina played two really good halves. I thought you know Caleb Love was off his game. Uh, you know, Armando Baycott was doing as best he could, and uh, you know mm-hmm. if he was in for the final minute of that game, maybe it's different, maybe not. Uh, the, the difference was just some of these. Like it wasn't even that Kansas was getting better shots; they were getting good shots in the first half. They just weren't making them. They they right. missed like like seven bunnies at the rim and uh, Christian Brown was having a really rough first half. And then all of a sudden after halftime, they're getting to the rim and these shots are starting to fall. So I thought they just, you know, kept after they, they stayed true to themselves and, uh, and didn't get flustered by, you know, some shots not going their way in the first half. And then things quickly turned around as they reengaged on defense more too. And to to Bill Self's credit, once Baycott went out, they they, they figured out a way to get the ball to the big fella. And uh, that little jump hook, they they had nobody that could stop him. I mean, it was just, it was over. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's that's what Bill Self does well, is he will try anything in a basketball game in order to win. Like, he's not going Mm -hmm. to keep to a rotation because he has to get his guys minutes. He can be mad at Remy Martin and, and bench him for the first half of the season, pretty much. But then uh, there he is when the game's on the line, banking in a key three-pointer and, uh, yep. you know, just making a lot of plays off the bench for the Jayhawks. And, uh, you know, so his his in-game coaching, you know, is, is some of the best because he does what it takes to win and stays with hot hands and, uh, you know, does that sort of stuff. It's just the level one violations that are the, the knock on him. Um. Is it simply because Will Wade was found on tape and, and Bill Self is a little bit smarter in the way that he did business? I mean, is it does it come down to that simplistic of a, a reason as to why everybody's pointing the finger at Will Wade and everybody's turning a deaf ear to, to Bill Self? Yeah, I mean, that definitely is, is part of it. I mean, you know, when you have a phrase like uh, like Will Wade had that was just synonymous with his with his violations, uh, you know, with the Javante Smart situation, then uh, that gives people something to hook on to and uh, mention over and over again on social media and in, uh, in, in broadcasts and stuff like that. So, yeah, I thought, uh, you know, Bill Self just doesn't have that moment, even though, you know, two, uh, there, you know, there's two people in federal prison for, uh, you know, their mm-hmm. role in what, happened with uh with the kansas program so but i guess you know if you don't get caught on tape then uh that's that's all it takes these days what does this do what do you think they're saying back in the halls of indianapolis and the ncaa with all this on kansas and now here's your here's the team that wins the national championship what kind of pressure does that put on the ncaa and if you're lsu you going okay this helps us a little bit. Maybe they'll be a little bit lenient on Kansas, which means they'd have to be lenient on us. I don't know. There is nothing that uh, the NCAA does that really 
should you know make anybody feel confident that one decision to the next will be logical <laughs> like yeah. i mean mizzou's out there they cooperated with uh with an investigation for one rogue tutor and got absolutely hammered you know oklahoma state cooperated with an ncaa investigation and uh, got a postseason ban for its efforts you know auburn banned itself from the postseason last year when it you know probably didn't have to and just could have said like come get us uh and you know, here's uh, you know, here's Kansas that has done no cooperation with the NCAA, and uh, and you know, nothing is happening. So it just doesn't make sense, and uh, there's no rhyme or reason to anything that this organization does. Is is basically what what I'm starting to come away with here. Boy, seems seems to me that North Carolina got the right guy. I I, I think Hubert Davis will do an outstanding job there. Do you get that same? That same sense that for the long run, he's going to be just fine? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, leading – the regular season wasn't great for for North Carolina, but it took right. him some time to adjust to Hubert's style and what he wanted done and, uh, you know, to really uh, work Manic into the mix the way that they did. And, uh, you know, losing Dawson Garcia, you know, if they have another big man last night, it could be a completely different story. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. you know, I, I think that uh, – I think that Hubert Davis, by making it to the Final Four and making it to the championship game in his first year, like that is just going to resonate with recruits. That's going like North Carolina isn't going to be hurting for recruits anytime soon, no matter who they right. put as head coach. But uh, you know, it can really up the level of guys that Davis can go after because he now has that Final Four on his resume, and that's you can't understate that. And uh, you know, he just really seems like a guy who goes to bat for his players, and uh, players will respond to that. Next five years, you putting your money uh, on um, North Carolina or on Duke? Um, I mean, it's going to be tough to pick against either of them. <laughs> I would bet that in the next five years, I would bet each of them have one more title. And Duke might have it next year because they are bringing in an insane recruiting class. Uh, they've got, like, according to 247 Sports, they've got the number one player, the number three player, and the number five player. So they're going to be big, they're going to be strong, and they're going to have plenty of plenty of talent next year uh, in, in addition to whoever returns and if they get a guy in the transfer portal too. Wow. Um, have you ever seen anything quite like what has happened to LSU where not one, not two, but everybody on the team – has hit the transfer portal. Everybody. Well, I mean, you're you're seeing it at Murray State too, where uh, Matt McMahon just left. <laughs> you know, I said yeah, it, but... it would have just been easier to uh, to move Murray State into the SEC for a couple years and uh, swap swap LSU to the OVC until uh, the sanctions are over. So, because everybody is leaving. Murray State, and a lot of them are coming to LSU, and now everybody from LSU is gone. So it's basically just a jersey swap for Murray State. So that'll be interesting to see how Matt McMahon handles that and uh, competes at a higher level. Um, And, you know, again, if and when the NCAA ever issues whatever ruling that they're going to make on those sanctions. That's got to be the reason. I mean, Murray State, they're doing it for whatever. Maybe they don't like the new coach that they've got. But for LSU, it's got to be it's got to be they they anticipate uh, a a probationary situation where they're 
not going to be able to play in postseason play. They've got to be thinking that. That's got to be the reason why they're leaving. Got to be. Oh, yeah. I think uh, I think that they're anticipating a two-year ban at least. Um, and that's, you know, in today's college basketball, that's an eternity. So, yeah, I it'll be interesting to see if any of them, you know, are convinced to withdraw their names from the portal. But, uh, yeah, there's going to be uh, – there's going to need to be some uh, team building activities this off season. So everybody gets to know each other a little bit. We shall see. All right. Who's your, uh, who's your pick to, to be the preseason. Uh, everybody does these way too early preseason polls. So as soon as they declare a champion, they're already looking at uh, next year. So who's the top King going into next season? Um, even though Audie's Tony just announced, He's heading to the pros. Um, I still have Arkansas at number one. Um, wow! And that's assuming that's assuming that Jalen Williams comes back. If Jalen Williams stays in the draft, then uh, you know I'll have to I'll have to reassess that. But uh, even even if he stays, they're still a top five team. But right now, I have Arkansas in that number one spot. I think uh, you know Muscleman now has a an open roster spot to work with, and you know he's going to bring in an impact transfer to replace Tony. Um, he's, he still has potentially Jalen Williams. They have the number two recruiting class, uh, next year to Duke, uh, with three, five stars of their own. So, and I think Nick Smith, he could play in the NBA tomorrow. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of talent coming to, mm-hmm. to Arkansas and they got Trevon Brazil from, uh, Mizzou. And I think he's going to be a great sixth or seventh man off the bench. So there's plenty of talent in Fayetteville and, uh, and, uh, with, the trend that Musselman has his team on, you know, back-to-back elite eights. That's a, that's a team to watch for sure. Nobody in basketball can actually say with certainty what their roster is going to be like, because they don't know who's going to lead. They don't know who they're going to bring in. It's just like, it's like a new team each and every year. It's just, uh, it's, it's the new way. And it's, it's fascinating. Boy, these coaches have to be on their toes and they've got to know what's going on. And man, it's crazy. All right, Adam Spencer, uh, basketball is in the books, unless you're an NBA fan. Uh, but college hoops is done. South Carolina, the best on the women's side. Kansas, the best on the men's side. So congratulations to them. And thank you so much for, for talking hoops with us throughout the course of the season, man. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, Jordy. We'll get you back, buddy. Thank you so much. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Adam Spencer, Saturday down south. You know, you can experience Festival International like never before by winning the game's Festival International prize pack. Sign up for the Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, and you'll get the chance to score a pair of bon ton passes. You will get exclusive access to front row and stage areas, shaded seating, air-conditioned restrooms, express drink lines, shirts, pins, and a poster. Experience Festival like never before by winning the Festival International Prize Pack from the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. We have a little change, uh, James. We're going to get John Peterson talking about the Masters and Tiger Woods after this timeout. The Jordy Heltberg Show, 1037 The Game, 1041 The Game, both in Lafayette and in Lake Charles. We'll be right back. Stay with us with John Peterson talking golf, the Masters and Tiger Woods. 
Jordy Holberg was draining three-pointers with ease way before Steph Curry came on the scene or was even born. Now, back to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hi, welcome back. Our next guest um, played college golf at LSU where he was a three-time All-American, including the 2011 NCAA Division I champion. He joined the the tour. Um, He qualified for the 2012 U.S. Open. Uh, In third round, he was with uh, former LSU alum David Toms. He got a hole-in-one on the par-3 13th hole, which earned him an exemption to the 23rd. 13 Masters Tournament. He became the first active web.com tour member to compete in the Masters. John Peterson on this Augusta week, kind enough to join us. Big John. Man, it's been a while. How you doing, man? How's the golf game coming? Jordy, I think uh, I think we do this every year this week, so it's yep. nice to nice to have my week penciled off to, to start <laughs> Masters Week with you. But man, that was that was a hell of an introduction. You know, I haven't, haven't had that kind of intro in a long time. So thanks for letting me reminisce a little bit. Well, you retired from golf, and then all of a sudden, back in 2019, after you watched Tiger Woods at the Masters, you said, man, i got to scratch that itch. i got to get back into it, which takes me to today. Um, Tiger's out there. He says, as of now, he wants to play. You play. You walk that course. Describe it to me, and describe it to me knowing what Tiger Woods is going through physically. Okay, so... What we know about Tiger Woods is, in my opinion, he is the most dominant male golfer to ever play the game. I know Jack has has more majors and, and all that, but the talent pool that he had to beat in order to win 82 golf tournaments uh, is, was a lot deeper than, than Jack's was. I just think True. he's a dominant player. The we also know he's also he's already won a major on one foot. He won in 2008 at Torrey Pines, also a very hilly golf course, tough walk. Um, but that was 14 years ago. He's he's yeah. 46 years old. He was 32. Um, the guys weren't as good as they are now. Uh, I know he's Tiger Woods, and every time you start to doubt the man, he will surprise you. Um, but in my opinion, this week, this time, it feels more of an exhibition. It feels like he has been almost pressured into playing this week. Uh, and Tiger, 10 years ago, would never be pressured into doing anything. It would be Tiger's way, and that's it. But now we're starting to see a softer side of Tiger Woods. He's with his kids more often, Um, and I think the pressure of playing is more likely to get to him now than it would be, say, 10 years ago. But I I think, if anything, um, you know, a lot more people are going to watch the golf tournament. I'm certainly going to watch a lot more now just because I'd rather watch Tiger pick his nose than half those guys hit it to 10 feet. You know, it's, he just brings so many eyes to the game. And I don't think he contends. I don't think there's any way that he contends in this golf tournament. If there was somehow a way where he's four or five back going into the back nine on Sunday, that's the only way he could win this golf tournament. I don't see him leading at all uh-huh. unless it was at the end of the golf tournament on Sunday. How much does his knowledge of the course aid him in this, knowing that, you know, he is he hasn't played as much golf as he normally would have. But but nobody knows that track of land better than he does. Right. 
uh, it's a massive advantage, um, especially when I was playing in 13 out there. Uh, my first round, I teed off first, okay? So I, I parked wow. the first hole. The other two guys I was playing with made bogey. So technically, I was leading the Masters at one point. But I come <laughs> down to the 17th hole, and I'm still bogey-free. And, and at that point, nobody, no rookie in the Masters had, had ever played their first round bogey-free. And so I get to 17, and I'm not, I've done all my homework. Everything's breaking towards Race Creek, right? 17, pin was on the right, had this little six-footer for par, and I played it left edge because Race Creek was on the right, and it broke left. It looked like it broke uphill. And that wow. kind of mistake doesn't get made by Tiger Woods. That kind of mistake gets made by a rookie like myself or one of the other guys that's out there for the first time. John Peterson kind enough to join us. Um, as a rookie, how much how much practice time? Take me through the week. How much practice time did you get, and how much note taking do you make? Right. It depends, Jordy. It depends on when you qualified for the Masters, right? So okay. I did it. I did it in June the year prior at the U.S. Open. So I had ten months to, to prepare for this thing. I knew, you know, I had. Plenty of practice rounds. I went in January, February, March. I probably played ten times before before the match. Really took took full advantage of it. The golf course is actually harder in February than it is in April. It's a couple shots harder. It's slow. It's wet. I remember hitting four iron into the end of eighteen in February, and then the tournament came around on Thursday. I hit eight iron to a back pin. So. Um, the golf course is, is very different in the last two months, but you asked you asked how much prep these guys are having. Like J.J. Spawn, who won in San Antonio last week, he's never been there. He's yeah. seen it for the first time yesterday. Wow. You know, so he's freaking out mentally because, you know, it's his first Masters. There's no way he plays any good. Um, but a guy, that, a guy that won, you know, in June of last year, and for the first time is playing. He's had plenty of prep. So it all depends on when you qualify for it. I got you. Um, and most of these guys have seen it two or three times before they get there. What is it about it? Um, it it's, you know, it's, I guess it's the only major that it, that's at the same golf course year after year after year. But besides that, what is it about Augusta, um, the master, what, what, what is, what, that sets it it's so revered? Well, it's, it's, it's because of how private it is. It's, it's about how exclusive the place is. If you, if you try to become a member of that place, you will never be a member of that place. They mm-hmm. don't pick a certain type of person to be a member there. It's very random. Um, you've got everybody from, past United States presidents to head football coaches in the SEC to regular guys that have regular jobs in Augusta, Georgia. It, it's just there is no rhyme or reason for anything that they do. It's, it's almost <laughs> like they're their own government, and, and yeah. whatever happens inside that gate, is they, they don't follow anyone's rules but their own. And, and that's what makes it so intriguing as a fan, I think, is because it's almost like that girl that you always wanted to be with that you – barely knew enough about but not enough and you always want you know you always wanted to be with her it's the same thing there's just a little mystique that you'll never figure out and that's what makes it special it's, it's just augusta national it's the pinnacle of our sport and uh for one week a year we get to wonder 
about the place and, and what goes on there and, and all of the mystique that comes with it. Wow. How, how, how much did you spend at the, uh, at the gift shop with all the, you know, the master's uh, swag? All right. So a lot of people don't know this, but when you're a player in the tournament, you, you have to pay for your food. You like that's unlike any other tournament in the world. So wow. when you step on that property uh, for your first practice round, you're not a member. So you have they give you a card. They give you like a it's a charge card, almost like a credit card. It has your name on it. it has 2013 Masters on it. But I got it in January in the months leading up to the tournament. Every time I go, I would charge that card. And there's no prices on the menu. You can ask. They barely have a menu. You can ask for anything, and they will. They will make it. You can ask for wow. a lobster roll, and they will make it. They'll figure it out. Um, but I got my bill after the tournament was over. They subtract your winnings. They subtract whatever you made and your bill that you've run up for three months from your uh, from your wow. from your winnings. So they. They do that, and nobody knows that. Like, you, you have to pay for your food, and there's no prices anywhere. But it's super cheap, and they take good care of you. But So I ran up quite a, quite a tab. And uh, in a, at Augusta National, you can only get Augusta National branded items in their pro shop. Right. So I got a bunch of hats and visors and stuff for buddies. Uh, I didn't go to the official Masters um, store there that they have, but I brought – Rock buddies that did, and we we had you know, it was a couple thousand bucks, I think. Not, not <laughs> nothing too serious. That's awesome, John Peterson. Um, kind enough to join us. Okay, so um, you study the tour, you know these players. Who, who do you like? Not no understanding what this course entails, um, what kind of game is best suited for it. Give me some names you're going to be uh, uh, of golfers you're going to be following that you think have a legit shot to win this thing. We do a big old uh, Masters Calcutta, and it was last night, and uh, got a little bit out of hand, and I ended up spending <laughs> more money than I wanted to. And uh, I bought I bought five guys, though. I bought John Rahm, I bought Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, Matt Fitzpatrick, um, and who was my fifth? Uh, my fifth was a wild card. It was Russell Henley. Okay. Um, and my my thought is, it's a wet Augusta National. The guy that carries it farther is going to have an advantage. So that automatically emitted, you know, omitted guys like Abraham Anser and Kevin Kisner and, and those kind of you know, two, 260, 270 carry guys. Okay. Um, I think John Rahm wins. I know he's the betting favorite, and that's not a very outlandish pick or anything, but I, I just think it's time for him to, to win a Masters. He's the most solid ball striker in the world. His swing will hold up under any kind of pressure on that back nine because it's just so simple. Not a lot of moving parts in it. Um, and, and he's one of the best clutch putters on tour. So I think John Rahm wins. I think Patrick Cantlay threatens. Uh, I see him finishing very high. He might he might even be up there on Sunday. But between Rahm and Cantlay, and you can't count out uh, Shoffley. He's had a third, a fifth, and yeah. an eighth in the last three. So yeah. I think between those three guys, your winner is going to come between between one of those three. Uh, does Tiger Woods make the cut? And is he playing on the weekend? Uh, see that the better bet, a better bet is Tiger missing the cut than winning, right? I mean, I know you can bet ten dollars to win eleven eleven hundred or whatever it is uh, for him to win, but 
the better bet is him missing the cut, right? I mean, he's just got so many variables working against him. Um, I saw a picture of his leg, uh, and it, it was like half the size it used to be, and he already had small calves. Yeah. I just don't. I don't see that walk. He's. I just don't see him doing it. I don't. I don't see him playing seventy-two holes. It's the easiest cut of all the majors to make, but I, I just don't see him sticking around for the weekend this week. Is it an advantage to the other golfers that he is there because the galleries are going to be ginormous around him? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's in a, so I played in front of Tiger in the U.S. Open in 2012. I was okay. in the second to last group with David Toms, and he was behind us with Jim Furyk. And being in the same group with Tiger is fine. That's fine. The people are settled. They want to watch your group. The, the group in front of Tiger, the group I was in, that is the worst group on the golf course because people oh. are running up to your group, moving around, constantly trying to get in position to watch Tiger behind you. And if, if getting paired with Tiger is fine. The group in front of Tiger, that's a two-shot penalty. Okay. Wow. Makes sense. Favorite hole at Augusta? You've played it. What's uh, of all of them? If you could, if you just hit, could only play one hole, which one did you like the most? Twelve. It's twelve. Um, okay. Twelve. Twelve is just you could hit anything from a, a six iron to a to a pitching wedge, and the, the yardage <laughs> only changes fifteen yards. You know, it's just so tough to gauge the wind uh-huh. on that hole, and the green is only uh, five or six paces deep. In the middle there, wow. it's just a very small target. There's there's so much pressure on that hole because mm-hmm. the the patrons are 50 back from that tee. I mean, you make that walk from 11 green back to 12 tee, and all you see is people. You know, and you're standing there, you feel so small, but you got to pull the shot off. Uh, and once you pull the shot off, then you're kind of back by yourself on on 13 tee and 12 green, and you kind of take a breath of of relief back there, but that's the wow. most fun shot in golf, that, that uh, tee shot on 12 as a, that's as a awesome. player and as a competitor. Uh, I know you've got some other commitments, and I greatly appreciate your time, but I, I'm just curious. How, how do you wh- – where do you stay when you go play uh, at, at Augusta in the Masters? Do you, you, you rent out somebody's house for some exorbitant price? Do you stay at a hotel like the motel – what do you do? You're going to love You're going to love this, Jordy. So – the town of Augusta, they have some sort of local exemption to where your house during Master's Week, whatever you rent it for, is tax-free income. So these people will rent their house. If you've got a nice house by Augusta National and a pro wants to rent it, I mean, you can spend 15 20 grand for the week. No problem on your house. Um, I had a connection there when I played Patrick Reed's parents. I've known Patrick since our days in Baton Rouge together as yeah. kids. Um, Patrick Reed's parents lived in Augusta. They still do. And they let me have their house for, for 10 grand for the week, um, which was cheap, which was a very good deal. But everybody that rents their house out that week is tax free income. And I don't know if that is the case anywhere else in the world, but it is a local exemption for that week. Uh, but all these guys are renting houses. None of them are staying in hotels. Okay. Uh, they've all got family with them, trainers. You know, now these guys have five coaches each, and uh, everybody's staying in their in their houses together. 
Wow, it's a great, I guess it's a great time to have a a paid vacation to uh, Bora Bora or wherever you want to go. Compliments of Augusta. That's that's nice. That is nice. Yep. Uh, John, thank you. Uh, good luck. Are you still pursuing professional golf? No, 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 no. I, I had okay. surgery on both wrists, uh, okay. and then my, my second surgery was after that 2019 season i just re retore a couple ligaments and now oh. I, I haven't played i've only I'm played sorry. two rounds in four months so no i'm uh, i'm officially a, just a dad and just an That's old awesome. washed up washed up dad now <laughs> it's awesome well uh like augusta this is a tradition unlike any other once a year we get john peterson to talk about augusta uh and and maybe even more as we go down the road you'd be great you need to get on some television uh deal with one of the tours either cb you know you know what i'm talking about uh you'd be great at it so you need to pursue that big fella i don't know if i could keep it clean enough for him yeah but, you uh, could <laughs> yeah you could yeah you could all right man <laughs> Good luck with your Calcutta, and uh, thank you for your uh, your time today, man. I greatly appreciate it. You bet, Jordy. We'll talk to you. All right. We'll take a quick time out here. We'll wrap up our number one, the Jordy Helper Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Tax exempt. Wow. Nice. Only at Augusta. We'll be back. Right, the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is coming back in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles has your free tickets. Text ANGOLA to 68683. That's ANGOLA to 68683. It returns April 23rd and 24th. Text ANGOLA to 68683. That's ANGOLA to 68683 to watch the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Coming up, hour number two, we'll talk LSU football with Glenn West. We'll talk Saints football with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. If you missed anything in hour number one, go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Go on demand, and you will find that up and running down the road. All right, hour number one is history. Hour number two, straight ahead, the Jordy Hulkert Show on this Tuesday, April 5th, 2022. We'll be back after this with much, much more, so stick around. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to win. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holberg. Hour number two of two, away we go on this Tuesday, April 5th, the year 2022. We're brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets, 60 of them in southern and southwest uh, Louisiana, where you can save in the store. You have a Buku Rewards member. You can save at the gas pump. You can save significantly. They've got everything you need, including spacious stores filled with Louisiana. Louisiana products. They've got uh, modern restrooms that are clean and comfortable and delicious food. Always fresh, always fast. If you can't shop right at ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets, you just can't shop right 
at all. LSU baseball welcomes Grambling State. The Tigers versus the Tigers to Alec Box Stadium. Skip Bertman Field. First pick set for 6.30. You can listen to the action right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All things LSU. Baseball, basketball, football. Oh, my. With Glenn West, our good friend from LSU country. Glenn, kind enough to kind of shuffle things around. Um, and he's joining us now. So thank you, Glenn. I greatly appreciate it, buddy. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Jordy. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Um, all right. LSU baseball. I don't know what I, – I still don't know who they are, what they are, other than the fact that they're the worst fielding team in the Southeastern Conference by far. Um, and that's never a good thing. No, it's certainly not. That's certainly at the, the crux of their issues so far this year. Um, you know, I think kind of one of the nice things about LSU is that they haven't played their best or even close to their best this season, and yet they're still right in the mix of yeah, it. That's true. You know, there are a bunch of teams that are kind of in that four and five, five and you know, five and four, you know, three and six series range there through three series here that, um, you know, LSU has a chance now to, to, to go on the road over the next couple of weeks and boost their resume and kind of get back on the right track. I mean, uh, defensively has been the, a big issue, obviously, but, you know, also offensively, um, you know, just sometimes they, they, they get in position, they, they're not, they're getting on base and they're getting hits and they're just not bringing them home. And I think that's been the, the big thing so far offensively that Jay Johnson is trying to correct, you know, they, they need to get some of those more timely hits in and, and, and bring in some more runs. Um, and, and obviously with the defensive issues, it, it certainly translates to the pitching as well. Cause if you get, you know, if you're not making the plays, the routine plays that you need to behind your pitchers, it really puts a lot of pressure on yeah. them. And uh, I think you're starting to see that a little bit with, uh, with this staff as well. Um, unearned runs, um, uh, 28, the only yeah. SEC team to allow more than that is Texas A&M, to your point. The bats are fine, except, as old Skip used to say, it's not about the hitting, it's about the timely hitting. And of late, they're not getting that either. No, they're not. And, like, I, I think probably one of the biggest things for LSU is they – They've, they've been tinkering with the lineup so much, and it's hard to get some consistency out of it as they kind of figure out these rotations. Yeah. Sounds like we're in for some more uh, kind of lineup fluidity here moving forward as well. I bet. Uh, they want to try to get some of these defensive stuff, you know, miscues fixed, and uh, I think they're going to start switching up this this infield pretty soon. I think you could probably see a, a Collier Cranford, a Drew Bianco back into the lineup, just some some more veteran guys who are, okay. are, are su- certainly more defensive savvy. And, um, you know, I think with the line of thinking there is that you still have enough offense around some of those guys who might not hit as consistently uh, to still be able to give you some runs while not also, you know, affecting your pitching and your defense as well. So um, I do think that there are some changes that are still coming that they're still trying to figure out where, you know, I think just to your point, they're still trying to figure out who they are and what the best combinations uh, are for, for them to roll out with. And so a lot of it's situational. A lot of it's based on who they face as a pitcher. And, um, you know, Jay Johnson really likes to have a, a good mix of left and right-handed batters. And so um, they're, they're certainly playing to those to those strengths and trying to get, get this thing on the right track for sure. 
Seven SEC series still to come. So there's time, and they're not out of the race in the wet. Nobody's catching Tennessee. My God, yeah. no boy. Yeah, that's that's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but the, the West is still the West to be won. So we'll see what LSU does. They start off tonight with Grambling. Then they go on the road uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to Starkville against uh, the Mississippi State Bulldogs, who aren't any big thing themselves this year so winnable games we'll see all right let's shift to basketball wow um there are more coaches than there are players yep <laughs> i've yep. never seen look i i uh, look i i've never seen anything where the everybody is like the titanic everybody yeah. jumped ship to the life raft and got out of town yeah yeah it's uh it's been a hectic couple weeks for for that beat for sure i mean it's just every day it's two more players entering the portal and um yeah it, it's been it's been rough they lost obviously the the, the three or four uh incoming recruits that they were hoping to get and the five mm-hmm. stars and and then uh obviously all 11 scholarship players from last year eventually the transfer oh, crazy and yeah i it, i've been talking to a couple of people and that's honestly kind of bizarre that that many have entered the portal um, a lot of, you know, even with, you know, big coaching changes and, and programs that are going through major shifts, um, don't usually lose that many players. And so I do think that it speaks to just how important Will Wade's, you know, recruiting pitch was and how much they trusted him as players uh, to get him get, to get them on board at LSU. And uh, I've just kind of reiterated the point to a lot of people that recruiting is just so much about relationships between the players and the coaches, particularly in basketball. Um, You know, these guys want to get developed quickly. They want to get to the next level. And if they find a coach that they trust, that's who they're going to put their faith in. And so uh, Matt McMahon certainly has a a huge, a huge taking on on his hands. He's already brought in a couple of familiar faces. He's brought in a couple of assistant coach with them from uh, Murray state brought in a couple of transfer players uh from that program and so they're they're getting the ball rolling i don't know how much uh, news we can expect over the next several weeks but they're certainly out there trying to get a roster together no 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 slight to murray state but it looks like murray state is coming south to baton rouge and how is that going to work in the sec time will tell we shall we shall see um i'm curious shaquille o'neal um in his latest episode of the big podcast talked to, talking about his son Sharif who entered the portal said, well, where, wherever he decides I'm behind him, he's a grown man making decision and has kind of had a lot of basketball, bad luck. Boy, is that the truth? Yeah. Here's the interesting line. We go to LSU where I thought they would take care of him, but they didn't. They have yeah. their own problem down there. I hope wherever he goes, he gets a shot. Give me the uh, the cliff note version. What does he mean by that? Well, I, I think he probably is just uh, referring to the the Will Wade scenario situation and just kind of how it all played out. You know, I think um, you know I don't know what those recruiting conversations are like between Coach Wade and and, and the former players, but yeah. um, I'm sure they had to have some kind of you know dialogue on everything that was going on with this investigation that was going on for the last three years, and so. Uh, this certainly was a predicted outcome, you know, in terms of Sharif. Obviously, he's dealt with a myriad of injuries, you know, yeah. dating back to before his LSU days. Last couple of years, it's been the foot. Before that, it was his heart. Um, and so I think he's just looking for a place where he can get some actual playing time. Um, obviously, he appeared in about 14 or 15 games last year for LSU, averaged about three points a game. Yeah. Um, just – 
Uh, you know, I, I, he was one of the players that I thought, you know, McMahon would, would be able to potentially, you know, keep keep on board, you know, LSU legacy, a guy who theoretically could step into a bigger role uh, with uh, with all the players that are leaving gone. So um, interesting comments from Shaq, of course. Uh, you know, I think he was kind of caught off guard by a bunch of the Will Wade stuff that um, very much a lot of us were caught off by as well. So mm-hmm. uh, not surprising to hear him say that, but still an indictment on what things were like, I guess, yeah. over the last couple of months. Glenn West, LSU country. Let's shift to football. Um, pro day today? No, tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow. morning. So yep, we get uh, you get to go out there early uh, in the morning and get to you know check out six, uh, 15 or sixteen players who are going to be working out for NFL teams. Certainly something that they uh, they like to do over there every year. Yeah. Just a good building block for their program, and we're going to have a lot of lot of uh, a lot of guys working out tomorrow and a lot of interviews. So interesting to see good. what what Derek Stingley looks like these days. So that'll be something to check out. Um, uh, football practice won't be open to the media again, but it was on Saturday. Tell me about it. What did you Great. think? What did you like? What, what, what impressed you? What just give me your, uh, your cliff yeah. notes version. Absolutely. So we got a full two hours over there and we got a chance to, you know, not only just check out the individual drills and all that mm-hmm. stuff, but, you know, a lot of one-on-one periods, a lot of seven-on-seven, eleven-on-eleven. Uh, they were in full pads. They were hitting each other. Um, lots of energy that you saw from the coaching staff. I mean, uh, Brad Davis and and Joe Sloan were yelling at the quarterbacks and the offensive line throughout the entire practice. Uh, you had the uh, offensive and defensive staff chiming at chiming at each other throughout the entire eleven-on-eleven period. Uh, Miles Brennan hit Dre Jenkins on a 65-yard bomb at the, towards the end of practice, and that got all the offensive players and the defensive players' faces. And so there's there's a lot of competition, a lot of you know friendly you know back and forth going on. Um, you know, in terms of just personal takeaways, offensive line is still very much uh, a rotation basis. You know, they are trying to figure out the right combinations. Wouldn't expect really anything to be known about that group for quite a while. Um, quarterbacks you know i said brennan looked, looked pretty solid uh nussmeyer's looked very good you know nussmeyer's kind of taken back a little bit he's kind of getting rid of that gunslinger mentality that he had Ooh. as a true freshman and okay. kind of you know shifting focus to being more of a game manager and so uh that's uh certainly something he's, he wanted to work on doing a lot of the rpo stuff with Jaden daniels he's getting out there running a lot and so uh this is going to be a very open quarterback competition and i think it's not something we'll see resolved even uh, towards the end of spring here. These guys are going to get all equal shots, and I think it's something you'll see carry on into the summer as well. Wow. Okay. Isn't there a deadline when you can enter into the portal and still be eligible to play next year? Isn't that like coming up soon? I think it's towards the end of May. So you, I think you have to enter the portal and, and pick a new team by the end of May before summer, uh, summer classes and everything. So yeah, I mean, that, that that's going to be obviously the next step, you know, which one of these quarterbacks or if any of them feel like they're the odd man out, do they jump back in the portal and hop on another team? Obviously, we saw that several years ago with Joe Burrow kind of hopping on um, after the spring session in 2018. And so um, it's it's doable. It's certainly a, a situation where mm-hmm. I think one of these quarterbacks could, could go in and 
um, go help a, a, another smaller program somewhere and get that those reps and get that playing time in college. So um, I, I do feel like it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be a Miles Brennan, Jaden Daniels kind of battle. I think it's okay. going to be that towards the end of the fall. I think you could certainly see that that happening. But okay. at the same time, if one of those guys feels like they're the odd man out, they might jump ship early. So it's really kind of too early to tell anything right yeah. now. It wouldn't surprise me in the least. Um, Glenn West, LSU country. We'll end on this one. Um, your your feelings now about the man in charge of the program, watching how the, the organization of practice is, how in tune he is with his assistant coaches, how the thing basically ran itself. What, what do you right. think of Brian Kelly now? Uh, he's been as advertised. He's very much a CEO type leader out there. You see him walking around to all the different position groups. He has a handle on everything. He wants to make sure that everything's running uh, the way that he wants it, running smoothly. The communication is great. Um, and then the, the one thing that we've heard consistently out of his mouth since the start of spring is accountability. He wants all these players, the coaches, everyone within this program program to be accountable on an everyday basis for what they're doing. Uh, he wants them to be early for workouts, early for practice, and there's certainly punishments if, if, they, mm. if they're late or if they uh, are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So uh, it's very much a, a tight ship over there. Um, I think it's something that a lot of these players appreciate. A lot of the leaders that we've spoken to on uh, these first week or so have been very complimentary of the new style of the new coaching changes. And, um, you know, it, it sounds like this is, is very much, you know, kind of the, the national championship kind of pedigree that you want in a head coach to kind of come in here and, and retool things after a sloppy last couple of years. Very good. All right. We'll see what kind of a uh, basketball team we, we come up with. Um, yeah. and we'll see if LSU's baseball team can, can stop kicking the ball around the yard, uh, the ballpark. And um, we'll see what football looks like down. I hear Mason Smith looks pretty good. He, he looks oh, yeah, Mason Smith looks great. Yeah. He yeah. looks fantastic. He was yeah. winning all of his one-on-ones um, yeah. last weekend. And I don't know, me and you might have to hop into the, in the portal and, and, you know, see if we have any grad transfer years of eligibility left. Dude, uh, I, I, I can I can get you 15 with the three point line, yeah. but I just can't stop anybody on the other end. Yeah. So that, that's just right. not happening. All right. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Hey, right. uh, thank you, Glenn. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Appreciate it, Jory. Thanks. Glenn West, LSU Country. Uh, the Hangout Music Festival returning this summer to Gulf Shores in the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles has your tickets to this epic weekend of music. You can score VIP passes by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't miss the return of Hangout Music Fest with Post Malone, Halsey, Megan, The Stallion, and so much more. That's Hangout Music Fest, May 20th, to 22nd in Gulf Shores. When VIP passes from the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and the Hangout's a great little place to bring the family to eat, burgers, pizzas, all that fun stuff. It's a cool, cool place. All right. Saints making moves. Why? What are they targeting? What message are they sending? Bob Rose, Saints News Network, next. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 5th, 1972. Major League Baseball's regular season fails to open due to a player strike for the first time in history. A total of 86 games are lost before the labor dispute is settled. That was this day in sports history. 
We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hi, welcome back. This is the Jordy Helfert Show. 22 minutes after the hour. Hope you're having a fantastic Tuesday. Man, uh, just when I think it's going to get quiet, boom, boom, boom. Saints news left, Saints news right, Saints news everywhere. That's why we're thankful. Timing is everything. And Bob Rose of the Saints News Network, kind enough to join us as he does each and every Tuesday. It's time for the Black and Gold Report. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, Bob, we've got a uh, a taco signing. We've got a, a quarterback that's asking for his release. We've got a, a, a honey badger visiting with the Saints. Could he could he be coming home? And, oh, by the way, we have a trade now. So welcome. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Good afternoon to you, my friend. Uh, right. I don't know about you, but I know my, my head has been spinning the last 24 hours. Uh, yeah, for, for those uh, for those fans that were getting all upset that the Saints weren't making enough moves for their liking, uh, well, all I got to say in, uh, to response is this: How do you like them now? Okay, let me ask you this now. All right, Monday, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Saints do a little wheeling and dealing. So the Eagles send their 16th overall pick and their 19th overall pick, and then a sixth round pick to the Saints for New Orleans first round pick at number 18, a third round pick, a seventh round pick, a 2023 first round pick, and a second round pick in 2024. What the heck happened? What, what, what are the Saints doing? And did you like the deal? I do like the deal. Um, well, let me let me stop. I like the deal as long as the Saints do not package these two first round picks to move up again in the first round for a quarterback. Okay. Uh, because you, you look at it this way. If they do that, uh, you're essentially giving up two first round picks and a second round pick for a uh, you know, for a quarterback when you have other glaring needs to take care of on your offense in the first round. Uh, and my question would be this, Jordy, do you see a quarterback that you would give up two first round draft choices and a second round draft choice in no. this draft? No. I personally don't either. No. Otherwise, I like the move. Uh, I do think that we will hear a quarterback's name called for the New Orleans Saints in the first round uh, that that first that first Thursday night. Uh, but I think that they're doing it to uh, yeah, that they made this trade to identify a wide receiver is my hunch. Uh, and then they're going to wait to see how the board plays out. I know there's a couple quarterbacks that they like, but I know that they've been interviewing offensive tackles like crazy too. Uh, and I got to believe that the other first round pick, again, if they stay with these two at 16 and 19, uh, that the other first round pick other than a wide receiver is going to end up being either a tackle or a quarterback, depending on how the board plays out. A quarterback, not many people are mentioning, but I know the Saints like him, is the kid from Cincinnati. Yeah. Desmond yeah, Ritter? Ritter. Yeah. Desmond Ritter. He's a real raw project, uh, you know, a, a terrific athlete, wonderful arm strength. And, yeah, I know the Saints like him, too. Uh, you know, Ritter and Sam Howell from North Carolina are making some late climbs of a lot of mock draft boards. Uh, you know, Coming into the offseason, a lot of people looked at Ritter, for example, uh, as a probable second-round pick. Uh, but now he's being mentioned among just about every circle that I know of as a mid-to-late first-rounder. 
Uh, while uh, in contrast, Mississippi's Sam Corral or uh, uh, Matt Corral, who I like, yeah. uh, has fallen down a little bit. Uh, you know, so yeah, Ritter, Sam Howe, uh, and I think even Corral are all in play. Uh, you know, for that uh, for that nineteenth pick. Hmm. All right, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Um, so Saints get two picks. They move up from eighteen to sixteen. Um, if Jamison Williams is there at sixteen, do you take him? Even though he yeah, had the torn ACL from Alabama, I think you do. Uh, you know, assuming he passes all your medical checks, uh, okay. and we're hearing uh, you know from Jamison's own mouth that his rehab is going great. Uh, and you know, and my guess is he'll probably start the regular season for whatever team that drafts him uh, on the PUP list, physically unable to perform. Uh, you know, which means he could come back, could be ready to come back anywhere from week six to week eight. Uh, if you're a wide receiver, you don't. You, know, you can come in immediately as a rookie uh, and you know, still perform well if you can run a basic route tree. Uh, which I think you're looking at for any team that gets Jamison Williams uh, mm-hmm. in the first round. I don't think, unlike other, you know, some other people, I don't think he's going to be on the shelf the entire season. We're hearing that the rehab goes too well, uh, and he is such a wonderful talent. Uh, yeah, to me, if I'm making the pick for the Saints, I go a different direction. I still go wide receiver, uh, yeah, but I go a different direction because I want a guy who's going to uh, be through my training camp on the field and be gotcha. able to continue for me in week one. One name I keep hearing in these mock drafts that I I just get infatuated with. I scroll all the way down to wherever the Saints are. I don't even look above. I just, okay, I keep hearing this name, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. Speed guy. Do you like him? Yeah, I do. Uh, and I, I feel pretty strongly that, uh, you know, because of Jamison's ACL injury, I feel pretty strongly that Garrett Wilson is going to be the first wide receiver off the board. Uh, you know, he and teammate Chris Olave, uh, who I, who's my favorite, uh, you know, they're both extremely smooth route runners, very accomplished route runners. Uh, but, you know, Wilson and Olave both have great open field speed. Now, Wilson, unlike Olave, uh, you know, he's a he's a dynamo with the ball in his hands on a short and intermediate route. He can make something happen. Yeah, you know, he has a lot of jitterbug in him. Uh, you know, he has he has good, solid, reliable hands. Uh, but he can get deep on you. Alave is known, at least his role for the Buckeyes. He was the guy that took the top off the defenses a little bit more often, while Garrett Wilson worked the more in- intermediate and underneath routes. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I think whoever gets Garrett Wilson is getting themselves one heck of a receiver. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Uh, give me some names of some um, left tackles that might be available in that middle of the round, 16-19 type of thing. There's a few that I think the Saints fans would really like, and I know the team likes. Uh, you know, uh, Iki Akwanwu uh, from NC State and Evan Neal from Alabama are almost for sure going to be off the board in the first right. five or two picks. Right. Uh, but outside of that, Charles Cross or Trevor Penning are the next two, uh, you know, consensus, uh, you know, uh, uh, ranked offensive tackles, be it left or right side. They could go in the top 12 too, but it's just as, uh, just as probable that they'll slip towards the middle of the round. Uh, outside of that, a guy I like is Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan. He is an absolute monster. Uh, converted tight end, so he has you know nifty feet, good athleticism. Uh, Tyler Smith from Tulsa is a guy who's rising up the draft boards. Uh, and Daniel uh, Falele, and I feel pretty strongly I'm pronouncing that name wrong, uh, from Minnesota. He's another absolute beast. Uh, that's gonna, you're going to hear his name called somewhere in the late first round, 
uh, early to mid second. But when when you're talking about a guy in that range, as you well know, Jordy, uh, it's not unusual for a team in the middle of the first round to kind of take a reach at that late round, late first, early second round guy because he fits on their draft board and what they want to do. Right. What message should Saints fans take out of this trade? Getting two picks in the first round rather than staying put uh, where they originally were. What What do you think the Saints are doing? What do you think they saw? What do you think their thought process is? I, I think that the Saints see two players uh, or, or two potential players that they could get out of this first round that's going to help them win, not only immediately, but the foreseeable future. And the message that Saints fans should be taking, and again, again, I hope I'm not wrong, or I hope I, uh, yeah, I, I, I hope that they're not packaging these picks to move up for a quarterback. Uh, but if I'm right, and you know, Dennis Allen and Mickey Loomis, you know, it, see this first round is we could get two guys that are going to help us compete right now. Sa- the message Saints fans should be taking is, this team still feels like that they have the roster to win a championship, and they still feel like that they're only a couple pieces away, immediate rookie contributors. And I have a feeling that they're going to focus on the offensive side uh, in the draft since they focus pretty much defensively in free agency. So, you know, rest assured, fans, just because Sean Payton might be sitting at home on his couch for this particular year, Dennis Allen and his team is going to be aggressive in chasing a title. Hi, Bob Rose, St. Sue's Network. We'll take our time out. We'll come back. We'll continue the conversation. Could the Honey Badger be coming home? And one quarterback said, hey, I'm gonna, get me out of here. I, I've had enough. I've, I, I want to leave. That and much, much more coming your way. Stay with us. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hey, welcome back. We continue the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network, brought to you by ShopRite, Tobacco Plus discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. All right, Bob, since last we talked a week ago, a couple of other developments. First, uh, the Saints have signed former first-round draft pick um, from Michigan, uh, went to the Dallas Cowboys at the 27th or 28th overall pick, Taco Charlton the defensive end why and do you like it i i do like it if taco has his head screwed on straight uh yeah he's a wonderful natural pass rusher has a lot of athleticism uh, along the edge uh you know had some you know, personal difficulties off the field early in his career uh and you can never have too many people to put the quarterback on the ground as our as our mutual friend mike detillier likes to say <laughs> uh yeah the, the saints defensive end spot is more than adequately stocked uh, yeah, but yeah, bringing in a guy like Taco that allows Dennis Allen uh, and the defensive staff to move guys like Marcus Davenport, Cam Jordan, Peyton Turner uh, inside on some certain pass rushing downs, like we saw them have success with last year. Uh, yeah, so yeah, you know, Taco is not going to challenge for a starting job, but it would not surprise me if he grabbed onto a roster spot and made some uh, key contributions for the Saints this year. 
All right, so that's a first-round pick. Apparently, the Saints uh, signed a second-round pick from back in the day out of Texas A&M, a former Tampa Bay Buccaneers safety, Justin Evans, who's 26. He's missed the last two seasons while recovering from injuries, but now it's being reported that uh, Justin Evans is healthy and ready to play at the safety position. Your thoughts on Justin Evans? I like Justin Evans as a player coming out of A&M. Uh, and his first two years with the Buccaneers, you know, he was really developing into a solid safety that could play either you know, either uh, deep safety or up near the line of scrimmage. Uh, the Achilles injury worries me because obviously it had uh, you know, some extra severity to it if he's missed the last two years. Uh, you know, but if his wheels are healthy uh, and he still has his range, uh, I think that that's a sneaky good signing for the Saints. I like it. Uh, and it's, it's a no-risk signing for sure. Okay, what does that do with the reports coming out today, according to a photo making the rounds on social media? Former uh, New Orleans native, former LSU star, Taran Matthew, spotted entering the New Orleans Saints facility uh, alongside Saints director of pro personnel, Michael Parenton. I would love the honey badger to be a new orleans saint i think he and cd deuce to get oh my gosh how much fun would that be and he can play what do you think where there's smoke there's fire i do think where there's smoke there's fire and you know assuming you know let's hope that uh you know that honey badger's contract demands aren't exorbitant uh because i think that he would be a great fit in the saints defense uh you know cd deuce has been uh it's almost reached an embarrassing level of recruitment uh, on Twitter over the last couple of weeks. Uh, so I'm glad to see that Matthew is meeting with Saints officials. Uh, and uh, Dennis Allen's gone safety crazy. If you count the re-signing of P.J. Williams, uh, they've signed four safeties this offseason. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, and you know, we both like the signing of Marcus May to bring Tyron Matthew into a, into a defense that has Marcus May, C.D. Deuce, and those cornerbacks. Man, that secondary would sure make some noise. Uh, and I remember sitting here you know, over the last couple of weeks, you and I talking about, you know, the Saints underrated need for a safety in this draft. Uh, I don't think that anymore as we sit here today. And if they manage to sign Tyron Matthew, uh, you know, I think you could all but cross the safety off the needs list for at least 2022. I love what he posted when um... – the Chiefs wouldn't bring him back on a new deal. He said, quote, uh, replacing me is easy. Getting them to do the same thing I did is damn near impossible. And that's true. It is. I mean, he does so many things well. I mean, you know, even despite his smaller stature, uh, you know, he could fill in as an extra linebacker in some alignments. Uh, you know, you could play him deep at free safety. He is a wonderful athlete. He could step into the slot. He does everything Chauncey Gardner-Johnson can do and has done, uh, only he's done it longer. He'd bring a certain amount of leadership uh, and definitely experience to that secondary and defense as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah, you know, Matt, and Matthew is one of the better all-around versatile safeties uh, in the league today. I got it. Just makes so much sense. Uh, PJ Williams, a one-year deal. There's another safety. Uh, you were in favor of that, right? Yeah, I absolutely was. I love what PJ can bring to this defense. Uh, you know, now, you know, now that the Saints have stopped using him, uh, you know, trying to fit a square peg into a round hole and trying to force PJ to play a boundary cornerback spot, uh, that's probably what PJ does worst. 
Uh, you know, he's he's an underrated tackler. He could play deep free safety. Uh, we saw him fill in capably for Marcus Williams a couple of different times. Uh, you know, he could step into the slot. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, one heck of an off the ball coverage guy. Uh, you know, great instincts uh, and great reaction abilities. I, I, I love the re-signing of PJ. At that point, I began to feel okay. Safety is much less of a need now. Uh, you know, with PJ, CD, Deuce, and Marcus May. Uh, and you know, now they bring in you know, Evans, an experienced guy like Sorensen, uh, and potentially adding Honey Badger to the list. Uh, you know, yeah, that's with each defensive back that they're adding, uh, that allows Dennis Allen uh, and Chris Richard to move a guy like PJ Williams or CD Deuce around the defense yeah. to suit what they do best. Yeah. I like that. Um, one more um, former Houston Texans defensive tackle. And to your point, all these deals are on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Jaleel Johnson, he's in the sixth season. Um, didn't start any games for Houston, but appeared in 12 games, got 23 tackles of fumble recovery, two tackles for loss depth, just adding depth on the defensive line. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, and I like Jaleel Johnson a lot, uh, you know, coming into the 2017 draft out of Iowa. Uh, he's a prototypical run stopper. I wanted the Saints to make a push for him in free agency last year. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not going to give you much as a pass rusher other than tie up blockers. Uh, and if he could tie up a couple blockers in the middle, <coughs> excuse me, that frees up those edge guys. Uh, you know, Jaleel isn't going to be a five or ten sack a year guy. Uh, but yeah, he, he's he's going to fill the gaps against the run, and like I said, he's a wonderful run defender. Uh, I love the signing and what this does for the interior depth of the Saints line. Okay, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Uh, Blake Bortles apparently has asked to be released from the Saints, and apparently the Saints will accommodate his request. Is Bortles done playing football, or does he see the fact that okay, we got Jameis, we got uh, Andy Dalton, I got no shot of playing here? Yeah, I think I think it's more the latter. Uh, you know, Bortles, Bortles is the type of guy who's going to bounce around the league as a backup or an emergency quarterback. Uh, but as that as the Saints quarterback room starts to fill up, uh, there probably wasn't even going to be much of a chance for him to be, as they call it, a training camp arm uh, mm-hmm. you know, for him to showcase uh, you know, talents to be a late training camp pickup uh, you know, for another team. So, you know, it, it, that's why he asked for his release now. Uh, you know, so we, he can wait to see how the draft plays out, who grabs a quarterback, who doesn't, uh, and, and you know, give him um, give himself a better shot to earn a number two spot somewhere. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Um, going around the league and other places, uh, Rob Gronkowski not ready to com- commit to another year. Um, how long do you think that lasts before he gets back to, to playing football? Uh, I now that Brady is back, I think Gronkowski will ultimately be back. Uh, you know, Gronk will probably have played this one out, uh, you know, into the early to midsummer, uh, you know, where he doesn't necessarily have to go to training to many camps. Uh, and, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll report just in time for training camp uh, to join, join Brady and his buddies. But yeah, I, th- I think that's the way it's going to play out for Gronk. Uh, one mock draft. I'm looking back right here at number 16, the saints taking Trevor Penning, the offensive tackle from Northern Iowa at number, uh, 16, and then coming down to number 19, get a defensive tackle in Jordan Davis out of Georgia. Who, I mean, you know, everybody has these guesses who knows, right? Who knows? 
yeah, and they're yeah, they're both great picks. Uh, you know, Penning is on my watch list. Uh, you know, Jordan Davis and uh, Devontae Wyatt, uh, both the defensive tackles out of Georgia, they both be great first-round pickups, and either or both of them could be available and, and play for the Saints in the middle of that first round. But I still say the Saints absolutely need to go wide receiver, check that off the box first, and then wait to see how the rest of the board plays out. If it's ending great, uh, you know, if it's a quarterback, great, because you don't have to move up to get one, and he could sit behind Jameis for a year or two. Uh, if it's a defensive tackle, uh, that would mean a lot to this you know, to this already formidable defense. I think there's a lot of positions in play. Uh, this same mock draft uh, with the Saints in the second round at number 49 overall picked uh, John Mechie the third, the wide receiver from from Alabama, who had uh, nearly 1,200 yards and eight touchdown catches last season before he suffered a knee injury in December. Boy, Alabama was decimated by receiver injuries last year. Yeah, they really were. Uh, but Mechie would be a great second or third round pickup too. Uh, you know, he, he's a speed guy. He, he he's not as accomplished a route runner uh, as, you know, as his teammate Jamison was at Alabama. But he he's sure as heck going to take the top off of defense uh, and you know be an open field threat with the ball in his hand. Um, I got to believe the Carolina Panthers within the Saints division uh, are going to be a team that drafts a quarterback. I got to believe with their first round pick, they're going to pick somebody, whether that's Malik Willis or um, Kenny Pickett. Uh, I got to believe one of those two, don't you think? I mean, they've got to get a quarterback. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think Carolina, uh, Carolina and the other uh, division, uh, NFC South seller dweller Atlanta. Uh, I think both of both of them are in play for a quarterback. And I agree. I think Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett, in whatever the order they come off, they'll be the first two quarterbacks off the board. Uh, you know, with Seattle sitting in the top 10, they're in play too. Uh, but I believe both Carolina and Atlanta will probably end up with a quarterback up high in the draft. What's your prediction of, of what the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to do with the first pick overall? What, who do you think gets their name called first in Vegas? I have a feeling that with the Jaguars, it's going to be an offensive tackle. Uh, yeah, they already have one very talented tackle. But you drafted Trevor Lawrence with the first overall pick last year. They have some weapons at the skill positions. And you, uh, if you're going to draft a quarterback that high and you believe in him, you have to surround him with the tools to be successful. And part of the surrounding him with the tools means keeping him upright. He took a little bit of a beating last year. I have a feeling that the, uh, the Jaguars are probably – my guess is – uh, you know, Neil, the tackle from Alabama, uh, you know, but I, I think they go offensive line with that for their first pick. Hmm. Very, very interesting to see. So um, Carolina picks at number six. I got to believe they're going for a quarterback. Who else do you think drafts a quarterback in the first round? Maybe the Saints? Uh, you, certainly the Saints. Uh, you know, like I said, as long as uh, and I've said it enough times that I think we all know what kind of temper tantrum I'm going to throw if it happens on draft night. As long as the Saints don't package those two first-round picks to move up to get one, yeah. uh, I think uh, I, I would be okay with a quarterback at 16 or 19, uh, and then filling in more immediate need with the other pick. Uh, I think Seattle uh, very much in play for a quarterback. I mean, they're sitting with Drew Locke right now. Uh, outside of that, unless a team moves up, uh, you know, to to nab a guy that they want, uh, you know, Detroit. Not with their first first round pick with that, but that one at the last part of the first round, the Detroit Lions. They may not believe in Jared Goff. Uh, 
It wouldn't surprise me if the Detroit Lions pulled a trigger on a quarterback. And I expect the Pittsburgh Steelers to be looking hard at quarterback, too. And they sit at number 20, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. All right. Um, we uh, we shall see. We shall see. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. You're the best. Um, something's going to happen next week. I know it is. Between now and next Tuesday, something's going to happen. Prediction. Honey Badger. Teran Matthew, is he a saint or is he not a saint? Yeah, I think Teran Matthew is going to end up being a New Orleans saint within the next 36 hours. Made my day. Thank you, my friend. Have a great week. You too. Take care. We'll talk soon. Bob Rose. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, final time out of the day when we come back. More news in Lakerland and uh, farewell after this timeout. The Jordy Holtberg Show, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, big uh, big opportunity for the New Orleans Pelicans tonight, taking on the Sacramento Kings out there in the cow pasture of Sacramento. Uh, either a Pelicans win or a Lakers loss will guarantee the Pelicans in the play-in game. And the Lakers announced today that they will head into their potential elimination game tonight against the Phoenix Suns without LeBron James. James was ruled out of tonight's game with left ankle soreness. It'll be his third missed game out of the Lakers past four. They've lost six games in a row, three games behind the Pels, two games behind the Spurs for the final spot in the Western Conference play-in tournament. The Lakers can be eliminated from the play-in tournament contention with a loss to the Suns coupled with a Spurs road win against the Denver Nuggets. Well, the Nuggets are going to beat the Spurs, but the Lakers are going to lose to the Phoenix Suns, and the only thing that means is the Pels are in. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, Phoenix has plenty of motivation against the Lakers. A victory would set the franchise record for wins in a season with 63 that eclipsing um, uh, two seasons, one back in 92-93 when Charles Barkley was the leader of the club and one in 2004-2005 when Steve Nash was the leader. Both of those teams won 62. So come on. Come on, Phoenix. Put the Lakers out of their misery. We'll get their draft pick. It'll all be good. We'll recap the Pels clinching the play-in spot. Tomorrow, we'll recap LSU versus Grambling State. We'll recap the Raging Cajuns versus um, the Bulldogs from Louisiana Tech and anything else that comes down the pipeline. If today is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you on this April the 5th. No one other than you of significance to celebrate. So hope you have a great one with cake and ice cream and some presents. Yes, yeah, special thanks to all of our guests today, Adam Spencer, John P. 
Peterson, Glenn West, and Bob Rose. Uh, what a busy, busy week it is. Uh, James, thank you so much for all you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in whatever form or fashion that you do. We greatly appreciate it. And of course, to our partners that make it possible each and every day, man, God bless you. Come on back tomorrow. Same time, two to four, same great station. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helberg. Um, stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you possibly can to stay healthy, my friends, because that's the most important thing, your health. And by all means, life is short. Let's be happy. All right? Let's be happy. So long, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow.